Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does, they charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hey, it's me, and it's you. How are you? Um, What's been going on since I last spoke to you, which would have been about, oh, is that five five weeks ago, six weeks ago? Um, Yes, I have been travelling all around the country, actually, since then. I went on tour during pretty much all of March, and it was amazing. And if you were there, thank you. I adored it. I always love doing my tours. And I swear, since the very first tour I ever did, they're kind of always quite a special event. I don't go on tour every year. I do gigs every year, but I don't go on tour every year. And this tour was the first one in three years. And it just felt really special. And I think that was partly as well down to the fact that I've never done a tour that's as personal as the one I just did. Because ordinarily, you release an album... And then you tour the album, and it's kind of part of the album cycle. But this tour existed coming out of what happened during lockdown and the kitchen discos. So I wasn't promoting anything. It was just the other half of a promise that Richard and I made to ourselves when the discos were happening that we thought wouldn't it be amazing to do this in real life with real people all under one roof having a disco together. So being on stage and bringing a set around that literally recreated my home it was really quite bizarre, but really glorious. And everybody came with pure excitement and positivity and joy. And there were lots of sparkly people I was looking out on every night and I just adored it. So yeah, if you were there, thank you. And tell you what I also miss, um, now that I've come back, I miss my horse because during lockdown, I impulse bought a life-size resin horse, which I then took on tour so even though I bought it during lockdown, I didn't meet it actually until the first day of the tour, which was in Birmingham. And then I would start my gigs sitting on this horse. And it turns out I love starting a gig on a horse. So I don't know what I'm going to do now when I don't get to start a gig sitting on a horse. I might just have to do that always. I've been to two gigs in the last couple of weeks and I thought, great gig, but where's the horse? You know, I now feel a horse is pretty intrinsic. Anyway, I am now back with... Crazily enough, series seven of this podcast. So I guess, I guess we're not far off the podcast's two-year birthday. She's gone by. Hmm, I was going to say quickly. It hasn't really. It's been quite a crazy time, hasn't it? The last couple of years, but it does feel quite significant, and I'm very excited to be back with it and having all my lovely conversations again. So, in the spirit of trying to be organised, I've recorded how many have I done already? Four. Um, I've got another couple next week that I'm doing just trying to pepper the month with it so that I get a lovely selection for you 
And I started with someone I wanted to speak to for ages. And I I suppose it's a little bit surprising in a way that I've never crossed paths with Jules Oliver before because I've done a couple of festivals that have involved her husband, Jamie. And, um, yeah, it just wouldn't have been that surprising if Jules Oliver and I had not seen each other in some festival field somewhere at some point. But that never happened. So I sort of watched her from afar and she has the same number of children as me. Um, So she's got five as well. And that, as you'll know if you've been listening to many of these, is quite quite a thing in itself because actually the majority of people I speak to have not got as many kids as me. You know, it's just something I've noticed. (laughs) Um, And uh, in fact, I think I've only spoken to one person who's had more. Anyway, um, so Jules has got five. They are... Same as mine, but like a little bit older. Um, so I think her eldest is now 21, I'm going to say, down to the youngest, who I think is around six. I'm pretty sure Jules will clarify all of this when we're, when we're chatting. And um, I love, love, love the range that she does for Mothercare, the, the little bird range. It really speaks to me. As a child of the 80s, I was born in 1979, and the whole range is based on late 70s, early 80s clothing. So it was in Mothercare, and it's now moved to Next, happily. Um, so you can still still get the clothes. And I genuinely think they're brilliant. I mean, if they did a lot of those little terry-toweling, brightly coloured rompers in adult size, I'd have a wardrobe of them, quite frankly. Very partial to a little play suit. But I've just bought a rainbow one for Mickey, which he'll look swell in when the sun shines, which I'm sure it will soon. So yes, Jules, Jules and I, sorry, I get my words well up. Jules and I spoke all things, big families. We spoke lockdown, um, you know, entertainment stuff, because obviously we did discos here, but she and Jamie did a cooking programme from home with their kids involved. Um, we talked about having a, a similar inability to say no to the idea of making our family bigger, even though we know that's kind of loopy because the family's already huge. Um, and she was very open about how, you know, how much she's wanted a sixth baby, which I really um, appreciated her honesty, actually. And she also speaks honestly about the times when it's not worked out and her miscarriages, which I know has been a really helpful conversation to have for lots of people as well. So without me waffling on any longer, I will hand over to, to Jules and I, and um, it was lovely to speak to her, but Above all that, it's really lovely to be reunited with you. So thank you for finding me here and welcome to Spinning Plate Series 7. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. See you in a minute. Well, I was really looking forward to speaking to you because um, I feel like we could just spend all the time just sort of having stories go back and forth of being mothers of five. And actually, you're the first person I've spoken to who was a fellow mother of five. It's so true. That's exactly what it is. There's, and there aren't many, actually. There's mothers of four. Yeah. <laughs> mothers of five. Are you five boys? I am five boys. Um, so that's also something new to me as well. Yeah, and I feel like when I had four kids, I felt like I was still quite a, a big, small family. And then five was like a small, big family. Yeah, You've sort of gone absolutely. into like sprawling territory. Yeah, it's hardcore. It's really hardcore. But I still want to do more. <laughs> yes, what is that about? Because I totally relate to that. Um, do you? Yeah, I never, I always knew I was not, like people say to me, you're going to have any more and I can't form the sentence, no. It, like, it just sort of like can't yeah. come out my mouth. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if that's because I'm getting older and I'm, I feel a bit midlifey, so I want to feel I can still produce a child. But I, but I think it's more than that. I just, I don't know, I just don't feel done. I desperately want to feel done, but I just don't. But yeah, I'm going to have to live with that, I think. I totally get it. And I think I've always said when I had my fifth, I said, you know, I, I, he's, I probably won't have another one. That was the way I kind of found a way to... Because people look so shocked. People have quite yeah, strong ideas. Yeah, yeah. Like you're a weirdo. <laughs> but I don't... I just thing is, they all fit in quite nicely. And they're also quite good ages. It's not like I have five all at once. I have three, really, at the moment. And the other two... Although, mentally, it's quite draining. But, you know, it's, it's doable. I love it. So you have the same gap as well from top to bottom as I do, because you've got 14 years, haven't you? Yes, so the eldest is nearly 20, 19, second one, and then it goes uh, 12, 11, and then River 5. What are your ones? Uh, The youngest is three, my eldest will be 18 in April, and then um, I've got a newly 13, nearly 10, and six, (laughs) yeah. I I can't imagine what it's like to have five boys, I have to say. I know it is very different, but I can't imagine what it... I mean, it must be just quite noisy. 
It's not, I always say five of anything, really. I mean, I think, yeah. and I'm, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think in a big family, kids tend to have this ability to sort of find the, the thing that hasn't really been done too much of before and then go for that. Yeah. So I think in this little society, they kind of, it's like foam or something. They sort of fill the gaps of what's not been, not been done. Yeah, So I completely. think it's quite a spectrum, really. So I have yeah. some noisy ones and some not-so-noisy ones, really. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly the same <laughs> as me. Exactly the same. But all wonderful. <laughs> it is all wonderful, and it's a lot going on. And I did, I did wonder... So the first thing I want to speak to you about was Little Bird, which is a huge part of our lives. And so you've oh. been doing a new range, is that right? Yeah, so new collection. Mother Karen did, and during lockdown, Next appeared, which is amazing for me. So it was kind of something to do whilst we were kind of bored, I suppose. And then it was all online, so we designed all online, which is kind of, I still think is a bit crazy, but now obviously we can get together and we can feel and see and touch. But it's just kind of gone really well. It's just sort of picked up where Mother Care left, and it's uh, probably doing even better. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy with it. That's phenomenal. And I think we also want to raise a sort of virtual toast to Mother Care because... That was something from my childhood. And I think for me, who's got absolutely loads of little bird clothes, it all kind of tied in with my own childhood, my own association with seeing that on the high street. And then all the colours and the fabrics. Yeah. So I'm thrilled that Next are taking it on because I knew it wouldn't go away, by the way. Even when Mother Co went, I was like, little bird no will No way. Will no, carry. we straight away were like, we're not going anywhere. We said, no, we just have to work out where we're going to go. But, you know, it was, we were very lucky. We were in good places. It wasn't a problem. But um, Next just seemed like a really good fit and they seemed to do really well with the kids' clothing. So, yeah, it, it worked really well. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, um, and presumably that's the sort of stuff you wore when you were small too. Completely. And all the stuff, I've got pictures of us, myself in mother care and my sisters. I've even got, we took all, we raided mum's wardrobe and all her kind of old trunks and then we just basically ripped them all off. And they're all basically half mother care. <laughs> so uh, now we've kind of run out of stuff to do. So we've got to think, we've got a little bit 80s, we've got a little bit, you know, we just keep jumping. But it's quite easy. I, I love it. It is fun, and it's also quite a rich aesthetic, isn't it, that whole thing? The palette is so yeah. recognisable, I think. Yeah. Those primary colours that you get in the sort of 70s and, and early 80s, it's such an yeah. instinctive thing just when you put the two things next to each other and you go, oh, yeah, I remember that from when I was small. And I think that Completely. when you're a kid as well, that the way things feel like, if it's like, I don't know, velour or it's got like a, a felt bit on the front, like you're, you're so sort of connected to the way your clothes feel when you're little. Exactly, exactly. It's sparkly. We wanted to reenact those, the sweatshirts that had like the sparkly kind of, I don't know, I had one with like dinosaurs kissing, but it was like, it was horrible, but also beautiful pink <laughs> with like a, uh, next weren't too sure, but one day we'll see. And just for you personally, how, how sort of significant is it that you've got, you're now a boss of this incredibly successful clothing line? Is that something you always envisage yourself doing not really I was just thinking kids mum <clears throat> everything quite kind of normal I was just really pleased to stumble upon something that I was quite good at and I understood and uh but I yeah I had, didn't really think about this as being sort of a future thing I'd like to do loads of other things but I just don't know what I want to be a, a midwife I want to go back to school and do politics I don't know what I want to do I'm everywhere all the time but this is quite nice just to keep me quiet it keeps me going so uh, yeah I do enjoy doing it that's in- I mean, you just mentioned quite quite diverse things yeah. there, midwifery and politics. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, how does that manifest in your in your world? Those, those I have passions? no idea. I think midwifery would be something I've dreamed of. I don't know why I missed it. I stupidly went into modelling, which is the worst thing, and I think I just missed that boat. And now I kind of keep saying to my girls, please, or my sons, please be a midwife. Not interested at the moment. So I don't know. That's just feel like that's something I'd love to do. And everyone keeps saying it's not too late. It's not too late, but. I don't know. I don't know what to... I just want to do lots of different things, but I've got to calm down and just kind of... I'm quite happy as I am, but there's lots of nice things, I think, left to do that I want to try. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think... I don't think being... Looking outside yourself and wanting things to evolve and having momentum means that you're not feeling good about where you are. And in fact, some ways, feeling like you can explore those bits of your mind is a sign that you've kind of got lots of life around you. You know, there's so much vitality, isn't there, when you're raising a never-evolving family. Yeah, exactly. It's just exciting. It's just exciting to sit down and think about what you'd like to do, even if you never do it. I'm with a husband. Obviously, my husband thinks about something, then does it. So it's quite stressful. So he says, write a book. And I think, yeah. Hmm. Whereas he'll start writing a book, whereas I'll just think about it until I'm 80. But I like the idea of thinking about things and possibly. No pressure. No pressure, please, but possibly. Well, I mean, talking about your husband, and it's, it's relevant not so much because he's in the public eye, although obviously that's a lot of why you know, people would know your family a bit, I suppose, alongside your yeah. clothing. But 
I think also because I always imagine that being married to someone where their vocation is so much part of their life, that that takes up a lot of space in the family too. Yeah. So how easy is it for you to find these spaces for yourself? Are you quite good at that? Yeah, I'm quite a loner. I love being, I love dropping the children off and being, I like to go for coffees with friends, but I'm, as soon as I've done the coffee, I'm back out with the dog. I love to go for walks. I love nature. I don't know if it's just my age, but I'm obsessed with nature. So I just, I find, yeah, I find we live in a very normal household. With I don't find any of Jamie's outside work coming into kind of the home life, apart from when we have to do filming, which we all dread, but we do to support him. It's kind of, ah, but um, that's his world, but we don't mind popping into it. But apart from that, it doesn't really, it's just a normal family, very normal at home. doesn't feel like his world encroached on ours at all. No, I suppose it's just that, when, in a good way, I suppose, when someone does something that they're passionate about, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm married to a musician, so that's got that yeah. same sort of thing where it's kind of, you know, and the hours can be, you know, not conventional, and sometimes you'll be very sort of distracted and focused and in that world and and yeah it is it becomes normal because it's the world we know and we don't know any different but I mean sometimes I don't know I think this is a huge generalization here but I think Richard has always been much better at giving himself permission to let that completely take over his headspace mm. whereas when I've got the kids I sort of realized this actually hugely during lockdown I, I kind of because I have my work outside of the house mainly I, I make sure I'm incredibly accessible to the kids at home. Mm. So I never really had my work here until I had yeah. to have my work here, if that makes sense. Yeah. So how do you separate your five, your, you know, your children with your work? How do you do it? Well, it used to be going, going elsewhere, really. So mm. as soon as I'd go to a studio or I'd go on tour, um, that was where I could really just go ah, and kind of unfurl all of that. Yeah. And then when I was home, I just... I always felt like it's not my children's choice that I had five and it's not my children's choice that I do what I, live at, what I do for a living. Mm. So whilst I'm happy to set a good example of doing something you love and getting much pleasure from it and working for a living and all those things, yeah. I also didn't want them to feel, I don't know, threatened by it, I suppose. Is yeah. that the right word? Yeah, well, they feel they must come first, especially, well, mine do. They've got to be there. or I've got to be there at every single possible moment. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not always... But I am always around. James said, you always make yourself available. You know, you need to be a bit more, go to London, go, go see friends. I think, well, I just, I kind of promised I'd be back for the school run. My 13-year-old's put a lot of pressure on me, which is ridiculous. But it kind of feels natural to be there rather than in London or doing something else. Whereas yeah. with Jamie, probably like your husband, it's just he's finding it much easier just to go full on in and love it and be totally happy and come home to a very happy home. But that's because I'm making it happy. So I'm, I'm helping him with that, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And I, I suppose when you were talking about the filming, I was thinking, actually, you and I had a similar lockdown in that there became a focus that kind of gave you something you were doing to connect with people. Yeah. Um, so when you were doing the home cooking stuff, did it, how, what role did that play in your lockdown on a sort of more day-to-day -day level? It was a bit stressful. <laughs> it was stressful because he was just so full on and he was really enthusiastic and he was treating it like it was like I was a producer and I was a camera woman and I knew everything. And there were so many times that I'd be crying and I'd go, I don't want to do this. And then he'd just go, right, get on, do it now. And I think like, this is so not natural to me. But then it became part of the, then it became quite fun. We got the kids involved and the daily routine, we got used to it. So, um, yeah, I quite, quite enjoyed it, actually. It was all right in the end, but it was just messy and dirty, and I was worried about the cleaning and the kids. I was just worried about everything, and he wanted me to focus on this filming for, like, two hours in the morning, and we had to do homeschooling, didn't we? We had to do so many other things. You know, it was all such a bonkers time. So <laughs> I don't know bonkers. how we all came out of it pretty much normal. <laughs> I know, and actually, it's quite nice when you sort of can look back and there is at least a sort of... I mean, I'm sure this ha happened in lots of families in lots of different ways, but there's sort of like an angle. It's almost like you went here. It was like a sort of day-go version of how we cope with general stresses and strains in the house. Yeah. So for us, if, you know, we need to kind of flip the script or celebrate or de-stress, we'll put on music and jump around. And I guess yeah. that was all in our kitchen too, which is always the heart of the home. So I guess in a way, both of us had this thing of like sort of, I don't know, putting a magnifying glass over something that's actually was already intrinsic to how you how you live, although you had to do the camera work, which is the flip yeah. of things. <laughs> it just used to get so lose temper a bit. I used, it just used to get so moody, and I thought, how can I minute? And then he'd realise when I got upset that actually it's not my job. But uh, it was good to be together, I suppose. I mean, that was the whole point of it, wasn't it? We were all together, and that was just the way it was. So 
Yeah. And you're right. It was all the only thing we used to do was to dance in the kitchen. That was the last ending. I'd go, right, it's time. And then just think, oh, God's sake. And then the old ones would come in and just do that and then walk off. But it was the only thing you could do. It was, I think it was a lot of people's houses. Was, for me, it was kitchen dancing, which is exactly what you did. It was exactly what we wanted to do at the end of the day. It was cleaning, getting everything ready for the next day, and then just having a bloody good laugh. Yeah, so much cleaning. Oh, my goodness. The oh, laundry. So that was my cleaning. other role. Is like, but, which actually I don't mind doing, but just seemed to be eternal. And the bizarre satisfaction of when I get to the end of a basket... Yeah, and then obviously just starts again. No problem. I mean, <clears throat> you mentioned there when you were young and you were modelling. So presumably your girls were around the age. Did you? Is it right? You went to Japan when you were a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Went did the usual, did the classic kind of the the modelling kind of decade was was kind of just normal. I kind of petered off as soon as I could get out. I did, but yeah, I was in Japan for three months, which you I kind of hated. Seventeen. Oh, that's so little. It's a bit young, Do you isn't feel, it? When you look back, does you have a different view of it now that you've got? Kids oh, around that age. Yes, I think about my 17-year-old. I mean, she's probably quite... My number two probably would have been fine. But now I just think, you know, you're left, you're dumped in a small little flat. There was kind of a kind of cockroach in the fridge. I don't know, in those days, you weren't treated brilliant. So it was a bit kind of... I just can't believe I did it. I'm very pleased I did it. And it was what, a, what an experience, what an opportunity. But I would hate my kid girls to go through that. I would have just flown straight out and got them. But in those days, mum didn't have the money to do that. We had to stay our contract and that's all I thought I had to do. But, yeah. Um, I yeah, spoke to um, Kat Dealey the other day for something and she had done the same at 17. Yeah. She'd gone for three months to Japan and she said, she looks back now and she said it was actually, she wasn't, she didn't have a particularly dramatic childhood and she came from quite a small town. So for her it was like, I can't mm. believe I did that actually. It's really bold to just yeah. go somewhere so, completely. so different. Yeah, completely. And kind of be stuck there and you just have to, you know, you fend for yourself really and that's the way it was. It wasn't luxury or anything like you imagine, I'm sure as you know. But, um, yeah, it was an experience. I'm glad I've done it because I wouldn't do it again. I'm not a great traveller, so I'm glad I've got those things out of the way. And have you been back to Japan since then? God, no. I, would, I said to Jamie last night, I will never, ever. He's like, you're such an idiot. Don't be so stupid. I said, I will never go back there again just because I, I, well, I think I've done it now. And we just wasn't very nice. There was a couple of earthquakes. I just don't know. I just, wow. I couldn't see. I know it's an incredible country, but I, I couldn't, no. That's it's interesting. He's just like, no, I've done that now. <laughs> yes. like, you know. It's not like you went last year or something. <laughs> it's like, it's, it, might have, it might have changed ago. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it definitely has. And I could probably could go a little bit more stylish, probably go to some nice hotels, but, you know, no, I'm OK. I'm, I've done that. You've done that. You've done that. Yeah. And so is that what you were doing when you had your first baby? Were you still modelling around that time? Uh, no, I'd given up by then. I was kind of done. I was working at the BBC being a researcher and a runner, and, I'd, yeah, that was way behind me. And did you always want to be a mum? Is that always something that you had in your head? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Once I'd found the right man, I thought, right, you know, it was in my... Ever since I was little, I had names in my head and just the way I wanted the roses around the door and the cottage and the, the simple life, which I kind of got, which is amazing. Um, yeah, always. I didn't know mum of five particularly. I thought maybe like myself, like I'm one of three, I thought that'd be fine. But yeah, I that's fine. I'm family... one of three on my mum's side too. Oh, are you? Yeah. So what do you think it is about us that means we've got that thing where you just want to keep having... Small people. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, I don't know. I just, I love the small, I love the small start. I love the beginnings. There's not one bit of actually, I mean, tantrums can do a miss, but they go away through anyway. <laughs> so it's kind of stuck with those. But yeah, every aspect, I love everything they do at school. I love their singing voices. I love their plays. And I mean, there's so many things that drive you insane. There's so many bad things and difficult things, but there are also so many good things. I just feel a bit obsessed with it. I just really enjoy their company. Yeah, and the busyness as well equally. that comes of family life. It's a very, I find it quite an addictive thing. But I yeah. have to say, it's really nice to speak to someone who feels the same because, uh, I, you know, a lot of people uh, don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And no, also, completely. you sometimes get, I get criticism sometimes as well. I mean, do you have those things where people say, be a bit sort of, I don't know, I think the most common one I get is to do with sort of planet overpopulation and how I'm being really... Oh. Yeah. yeah and if I ever say anything like I'd love another one or oh, God forbid I'm not only am I 47 I'm selfish I'm old and I'm you know I've got enough and I, I get all those but I just can't believe people even say things like that just that's not the point just the point is I'm happy and that's what I'm doing and the kids are happy and uh, get move on <laughs> I just can't see you know yeah I think there's something weird that happens sometimes it, it, it's always more about the other person when people yeah. have got a very strong opinion and yeah. sometimes I've I've sat next to someone, I don't know, let's say a friend's invite me to dinner and I've ended up sat next to someone and they'll have quite a strong idea about, you know, 
the, the kids I have with, and I think, you'll never meet them. You'll never be yeah. invited round to mine. So why on earth does it matter? Like, what, what do you want me to say? And I'll just say it, and yeah. then you go home happy, and I go home yeah. to my real life. Yeah, yeah. Just drop it. Oh, just be kind and shut up. <laughs> no and time. Actually, I did see another thing that I said, it's what you said about how you'll be kind of relieved when the door is closed to the possibility. Yeah. And I totally understand that as well. Yeah. Um, and obviously you've been brilliant about talking about miscarriage. And I, yeah. I'm so sorry you've been through that. Thank you. Um, I grew up in a home where my mum was trying to have a baby, so a fourth baby, and actually ended up having 10 miscarriages. And she's spoken about that too. Oh, right, yeah. And she said that sometimes when people already have families, young children, they people can be a bit more dismissive about the idea of having another, but actually mm. you very much know what it is you're not having when you've already got a family. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, it's in your head, it's stuck there, and it's kind of, you know, you can't, you can't change it. I just, I'd love to, I've even got some spiritual help <laughs> to stop myself wanting this need, you know, this need that didn't work. So, you know, I know it'll come to a natural end, but then I'll think of something else, and I'll say, what about, have you thought about adoption, Jamie? You know, there are plenty <laughs> of other things I've, I've thought about. I'm sure it will. I'm sure things will take over in life. You know, there's the way the world works. Something will happen and we'll have to do something else. And, you know, this will be by the wayside. And I'm extremely happy with what I've got. We, and I'm sure, you know, we, we have to keep saying that because I have to add, but I'm very happy with what I have, which of course I am. But, you know, life's too short and I, I want to just push those boundaries and be even more happy. Yeah, so. and I think it's funny, actually. It reminded me, um, I, want, I don't know if you were there, actually, but uh, Jamie was doing a, a festival that I was at and he got talking to Richard and I think at the time I just had maybe baby number four or maybe yeah. baby number three and I already had a glint in my eye about having another one and um and Jamie was like asking us both oh how old are you and then when I said I think at the time let's say I was 37 maybe I was yeah and he went he just turned to Richard and went you're fucked mate <laughs> <laughs> like, she's got the same look I recognize that look but but sometimes there's a sort of painting in there of, like, the sort of hapless husband. Like, Richard sort of almost plays the part of, like, oh, look at all these kids that have kind of sprung yeah. around me. But I don't really buy it. Yeah. I, I don't really buy it. That's so funny. That's all Jamie's little, like, narrative for everything is, oh, I've got a lot of jewels and the mag. I think, oh, hang on a minute. You bloody love it. You're involved. You didn't, you never said no. And, uh, you know, it's all part of it. Yeah, you love it, so shut up. Yes. We but I well. guess something that is tricky for your family is, and, you know, you've spoken about this before, so I hope you don't mind me asking about it, is you said you had one miscarriage that sounded like it, you nearly died. Yeah, now it was a near that's fatal. Not something that, that's a, sort of like a different atmosphere, isn't it, when it's yeah. medically serious yeah. like that? Yeah, that was, well, that was the, yes, that was the first, no, that was the second one. So I was kind of thinking the first one was bad enough, you know, the shock, but the second one was just... It was just explosive. And yeah, I, and, I, and Jamie was there the whole time and he did say, now we have to stop. And I went, no, I, I agree. And then within like the next day or so, I was, maybe we could just see what was wrong. We can double check, you know, and so we did it again and again. And we kept doing it. But um, yeah, that was, that's definitely given me, I hate that saying PTSD. I don't really know what it, because I want to make sure I said it in the right way, but I, it definitely has given me kind of, I, could, I will never get over it. So I can get over the other one slightly. Probably never get over any of them, actually. And I don't think you're meant to. I don't think that's the way it's meant to go anyway. So, um, but it hasn't stopped me even in the throes of that to keep going. Well, I suppose there's a shift in emphasis because if you're pregnant and the pregnancy doesn't happen, then you've, you're focusing on that, that sort of that lane of traffic that you started to move into. And then you have to kind of quantify that with, with where you are you know, outwardly nothing's changed, but something has. Yeah. But when you've had a trauma that affected your health and you do have a young family, then yeah. then it's got concentric circles that go beyond yeah. what might have been to actually, oh. And I think also, I yeah. don't know about you, but maybe up until then you hadn't really, I don't know if you've had good pregnancies, maybe you don't quite, you sort of feel like, oh, that, that I don't, you don't realise how fragile you can still be. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was kind of, you know, doing brilliantly. I, you know, even after the first miscarriage, I thought, oh, that's just pretty standard. I think that probably was about to happen. But then when it kept happening, I just thought, hold on a minute, this is not the way. Then as I got older, everything was against me. I was thinking, oh, God, it's just all too much. I've got to learn to stop. Really, I think for my health, I would, I'm would. i quite pleased that we, we probably won't try again because I just don't think it's, I don't know, I just don't think it's a great... Well, not especially my older girls saying, Mum, please don't 
because we just want you here. And I think, actually, I've got to, I have to think about the others. It's not that necessary. So, um, so they're like, Mum, you should be a midwife this year. I got, on New Year's Day, I got texts from my daughter Daisy saying, Mum, you've got so much to give. You're really kind. Just be a midwife. Like, don't try for anything else. <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet. What a lovely message. It was a really nice, it was a good, it was a good news message. A whole thing of how I've got to change my life and do things that make me really happy. And it's quite sweet, really. Yeah, that is really sweet. And I think, I know that when I was pregnant with my fifth, um, it all turned out all right when the baby was here. But initially, Sonny was my oldest. He was 14 at the time and he was not digging that. He just said, you know, there's only two parents and there's so many of us already. And I think he's, Mm. it was the first time one of them had sort of voiced a concern for how they'd actually get access to you really yeah because actually the teenagers need you so much it's oh god it's so much fallacy that it's easier in that that way yeah oh my five-year-old is although slightly bonkers it's much easier than you know my older girls and they're in they're both away in university but they i'm facetiming them probably seven times a day mom even from how do you turn the wash dishwasher on to how do you or boyfriend you know it goes on and on on boyfriend issues and it's kind of like just let me have my lunch sometimes just switch my phone off i think that's really bad parenting but i can't talk anymore today no no i get that completely um i've got one child my second one down and i don't think he's he's not needy with me in an open way it's more like i think he thinks i'm sort of his pa so (laughs) i've sometimes (laughs) i had it once where i was away for work i was in poland and i got a message from him and i picked up and he went my bus isn't here and i found myself going on city map and saying there's one coming in two minutes That is so funny. That's exactly what my daughter was going. Mum, I need the Opalex, Opalex shampoo and conditioner. I think, oh, you're, you've got your own Amazon. Like, why am I? Why am I continually given jobs? You know, you've, you can walk down to Boots now. You're able to go. It's like you can go to the doctor. You can do everything. You know, you're nearly twenty. But I find myself going. I'll just go online because <laughs> we fix things. That's what we do. Yes, and actually, I quite like that. I quite yeah, like I problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> This it's is like, what our problem give me a good is. One. Come on, there's got to be a way out of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So true. Yeah. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And, and with your big girls, about your teenagers, did you find... Sorry, have you got two teenagers or three? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, almost 13-year-olds, so say three, yeah. Cool. And did you find the little ones were quite a good tonic? Because I think there's a nice mm. relationship that comes out of that for teenagers yeah. when there's a, a new young person in the family and a baby. I totally agree. Especially, well, now Petal's 13, so we all go on the school run together in the car. And I think although there's all the issues, if River does something funny, you know, then it's all back to like, oh, da, da, da. And they all kind of bring back, they, they just feel a bit younger again, as opposed to sitting on their phones and stressing out. They've then got this kind of humour from River, or even if a fight happens, it's kind of, it brings it all back to normal. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think you're right with you and with yours as well, the same age, that they, they really focus, especially on lockdown as well. They had this little person to kind of annoy and be cute with and... 
yeah, yeah. They're, they're definitely I think it's a great thing especially for older ones to kind of bring it all back to normal yeah I kind of feel like they should have a sort of I don't know some way of interacting sort of toddlers and teens that's kind of like a yeah. regular thing I don't know in schools yeah. or something because I think yeah there's something about the purity of the exchange that's actually really good for their heads non-judgmental yeah. bit of being silly bit of being responsible yes it's quite nice I agree yeah completely agree with you <laughs> Yeah, I like that as well. So, so going back to your work, so I, you know, this the, the podcast is called Spinning Plates because in my head, that's kind of how I think of it sometimes. Is it's that something name. that you does that resonate with you? That idea? Definitely, I think it's. Well, we all say it. I was going. I always go. I'm so overwhelmed today, or I'm. You know, that's not my thing. Or said to the children, I think that because I've got too much going on. It's like. What do I always say? I think there's a saying like I'm not a, I'm not an octopus or I'm I don't juggle stuff. It's basically the same thing. It's too many spinning plates. But it's not like I've got loads going on. But for me, I'm quite kind of a perfectionist, so everything has to be done properly, and and that's what takes the time, perhaps. But um, yeah, in our house, it always feels like that. Everyone's just trying to do everything all at once, and it's uh, a bit overwhelming. But um, but I think uh, if it goes quiet, it's dead boring, isn't it? I agree with that. But how so does perfectionism go along? A, a, busy family life I don't I'm trying to picture well, that. how how much how easy is that to achieve it's hard it's really hard yeah the house is immaculate and it's kind of at the detriment of you know some things so you know I make sure the beds are like during lockdown it was hell because like even if it, before school work it would have to right we're going to do the house clean and they'd be like mom I've got to go online I said well let me hoover behind you so uh, I had that yeah it drives Jamie mad I suppose it's an OCD, but it's just something that if things aren't right, then I then can't function with the rest of my stuff. And that's really important to me. I'd love to just drop it. Sometimes I think I'm going to leave that there. I'm going to leave that sock there. And I walk away. I think, no, I'm going to go back to that sock. So it's very sock. difficult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't bear it. So, uh, yeah, it's quite tiring. It means I have to do, I'm always a bit late for things because things have to be right before I actually get in the car. But it's wow. capable. I'm actually like really you? impressed by you right now because <laughs> um, I've always thought in my head somewhere there lives a woman who has the same number of children as me and a lot of things going on like me, but she's actually just getting it all a little bit more right. And I, I think maybe it's been you. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's actually me. I am the best mum with five kids. <laughs> exactly. No, I promise you. No, no, no. Because I, no, I fared in loads of other things. It's fine. I just managed to get a very tidy house, very good drawers. That's it. Oh, I like that though. I might not tell Richard about that. That's I'm very messy. So, okay, if there's lots going on, and things are really, you know, they're full sort of kilter of, you know, the glory and the chaos of family yeah. life and work and everything. What are the things that you're first to kind of let slip? What are the things where you can go? Okay, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Nothing really. It all gets done. I don't know. Blimey! <laughs> so just perfect. No, I'll let slip, which is bad. Probably the food. So the food was. So for example, I think I'll oh, sort it. We're all going to have boiled eggs when they get home. Particularly, like I won't worry so much about making the amazing gourmet dinner, which I plan to do. So the food will slip, and I think just yeah, I just yeah, perhaps homework will go. I'm not too worried about. I'm not. I don't focus so much on their academic studies. We haven't got really academic children. They're all a bit creative. So they all struggle slightly in different things. Um, so I probably let that, that, I mean, during lockdown, we let that slip big time. I learned to write with my, I did my left hand and just did stuff for them. Move out the way, I'll do it for you, just get it done. Then we can go out and play. So uh, yeah, the, that would, I would let that slip and probably yeah. let my work slip. If I could, meant I could go for a walk, I'd just think, oh, I'll do that in a minute. And I definitely put my phone down and let all those emails and WhatsApp slip as well. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good thing to do. And yeah, I think... I'm, I, I completely um, on the same page with you as having quite sort of creative kids, but for them, uh, they don't all learn in a typical way. And mm. I've found getting them through... I didn't really realise what school was like for those kids until I started raising them. Um, and I just, I just wondered if you found it quite stressful. I mean, you know, I could probably talk about that for a long time in itself because I get quite sort of, I don't know uppity about about how yeah. education is, is such a sort of rigid format it's so um, wrong education is so wrong and every you know the only thing that was good that came out of coronavirus the fact that my daughter didn't have to sit her a-levels she did well she did but in a different way constructive way and it was just it saved her the stress the stress of school is so unnecessary I don't I don't get school myself I don't I don't get how they teach I don't understand the subjects they teach still um it just needs... Jamie and I once wanted to open a school years ago. We had this idea, but obviously it's not possible. But in our dream, you know, like the dream school, 
which I'm sure most parents would love. And it just slightly fits your child completely, but it would not be so focused on the way it is now on this academic pressure. And these pointless exams, I like you, I could just go mad. It just drove me mad, drives me mad. Yeah, I'm the same. I feel like you just got to get on the other side with, that, with yeah. their morale intact, really, because the world is wide and full of really interesting people. And some of my favourite people to speak to about things, I don't, you know, they, they haven't got many qualifications and that school exactly. was not their place. Always, but. yeah. But what a shame that we have to just get them through it. I feel like, yeah, mentally just get them through it. Get the, But it's quite a lot of years to get them through. So it's kind of you've got to find the right school. And, and yeah, there's no perfect school, but you do your best and you just hope that there's lots of outdoor space. I just think, oh, have you done any sport today? Anything that gets them out of thinking about all this education? Because, you know, it is what it is. They'll be what they'll be and it is what it is and they'll try as hard as they can. But, you know, I mean, it's great if you're academically gifted. It's amazing. But if you're not, it's 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 a bloody hard slog. It is. And broadly, are your kids having a sort of similar upbringing to your own? You, do you think it's quite similar? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty similar. They go to, we now live in Essex. So they go to a school in Essex, which is a bit different to the one I went to, but, you know, similar. You know, I'm kind of, I live 20 minutes from my sister and half an hour from my other sister, 20 minutes from my mum. So, uh, you know, I just, my mum was an amazing mum. So whatever she did, I think I've done. And James' mum's also incredible. So we've kind of put those all together and just, just a really basic, basic kind of, you know, they, they, have, a, they have a touch with a really lovely childhood. It's just really simple. Oh, Hopefully nothing, lovely. you know, touches them that, that, well, especially about Jamie as well, seems to affect them. So it's fine. It's just very normal. And do you think it's been something you've been conscious of, sort of keeping that kind of grounded aspect to what their to their actual day to day life? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Not to mention, just always said, you know, just just be humble. For God's sake, kids, be humble. If you're not humble, then we have failed as a parent. Just be kind, humble. I don't care what else goes on. I could have some manners as well. It would help. But um, yeah, so that's why. And they're not really involved in anything Jamie does. He has his own office. In you know. He, they could do, they could have done loads of things and we could have red carpeted out of hell and heaven and just had a great time, but we didn't and I didn't. So I think the kids have followed my lead and they also don't. So it's, it's quite nice, really. Yeah, I think it's healthy to have that perspective, really. And actually, from my point of view, the fact that my kids have, don't bat an eyelid about what I do for a living is actually really, I really like that. And I love the fact that when I come in through the door, it's all about what they're up to, you know. And yeah. It doesn't matter... You know, they're never going to ask me what my set list was, but they will ask me if I can remember the characters to, like, the films they're watching or the cartoons yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't care if you've been with so-and-so and record the most mate, yeah, and you've been with some huge celebrity. Because the kids don't care. Because Jane go, I know him. And they go, oh, as if they of course you do. But And I was like, gosh, you have no idea. Like, that's really amazing. But, nah, to them it's just zero interest. They are, well, anyway, by nature, self, teens are always a bit selfish anyway, so yeah. <laughs> they don't really care what you've done all day. But, you know, they like to tell you what they've done. Um, I remember you saying earlier that you didn't really know you were going to have quite so many kids. So it wasn't like you thought, oh, I definitely want to have a huge family. Yeah. So what happened with me, I think, is I sort of had one and it really knocked me for six, actually. Like the life mm. change and sort of adjusting. And then I actually waited quite a while and it's sort of, it's almost like something that kind of gathered pace until yes, I got to exactly. like baby number three. And on the day I had him, I was like, I want to have another one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what exactly. Do you, think, do you think it's almost like the hormones or something? I don't know, it's true. I did one. Well, I had the first one, like you. It was just, oh, wow, God, what the hell's this? And then Daisy was a little accident. She didn't, you know, we didn't intend to, so she came very quick. And then I was just thinking, then I needed a break. You know, I was so shocked. So we waited like six years. But it was, it was like it was gathering. It was underneath like the like bloody leaves and wind. And suddenly it was like, I think my sister said she was announced, she announced she was pregnant. I thought, oh, that's it, it's time. I've got to get going. And then I did the same too, you know. But yeah, it is, it's exactly like that. I didn't intend, I mean, I wanted to, but I had to, I felt I needed a breather. I needed to just kind of like lay down and it took me six years to get over it, the shock yeah. of having two. It's just like, what? We're so how close one. are they? How close are your first two? So they're a year, exactly a year. Oh, that is quick. It was really, I think I was three months, well, Poppy was three months and I thought, I feel really sick. And I thought, no, no, literally. And I went, I weed on the stick and I thought, oh God, no. I was really upset. I thought, what am I, I can't, I can't cope. But of course, then, you know, it gathers again and it all happens and it's absolutely fine. But it was a shock. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I haven't had any mind that close together, but yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, every time there's a new baby sort of in the offing, uh, there's always a part of me that goes, oh, have I just gambled? Have I just gambled yeah. with everything that our family yeah. life is about? Yes, um, so And true. I remember especially with my last one, um, when I found out I was pregnant, I actually thought, 
oh golly, I've really done it now. Like I thought, I thought I wanted another baby, but now it's actually <laughs> you know, possibly happening. And and I phoned my mum and I said, yeah, uh, I think I might have really mucked up. And she was really good because she just said, there's a reason why it takes nine months because it just gives you time just to kind yes. of get your head around everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely for three of mine, I've gone, oh my God, oh no, like, what have I done? The wanting and the needing, now I just feel selfish, I can't cope. But, yeah. um, you know, it always works out in the end, you do always manage to cope somehow. You do, and I think the kids that come along, you feel like, oh, there was never ever going to be anyone else. Like, of course yeah. it's them. It's almost yeah. like the family just sort of shifts and adapts to have this extra person. Of course, um, yeah. But going back to, if you don't mind, you're, you're being so brilliant about talking about the babies that you've lost. What's the yeah. reaction been from people that you've been so open? Um, I think pretty good. I mean, I don't know. Do you mean uh, media-wise or just kind of no, friends? No, more, just... more sort of, I suppose, just how things come to you, really. Um, yeah. I just think, personally, I think it's really brilliant because I think there was something you said, actually, that really touched me because um, you said about why don't we have any sort of aftercare for miscarriage yeah. because women almost expect to just sort of go home and deal with it. I just, yeah. And why yeah. is it not that someone phones you up and says, hi, I'm your midwife and I'm just checking in and how are you yes. feeling and how much yes. blood today? Yeah. And I just thought that was a really, that's, to me, that's a really huge logical thing that should happen and would probably yeah. shift the narrative as well. I mean, I'm dying to campaign. I sometimes have these ideas, but they don't get as typical, like everything else doesn't really happen. But I'm dying to get that to happen because I just don't... There's lots of... It's amazing now. The, the talk and miscarriage is incredible and everything everyone's doing is just amazing. But there is something... I suppose indefinitely in people's personal experiences, they then fight for that thing they need. But I just think that was, for all five of my miscarriages, the aftercare, and I was looked after brilliantly, was just... Well, it just wasn't there. You know, it was there at the time and then obviously the weeks that passed... But I may not have nearly died had I been checked on daily as opposed to just kind of, right, come in and get your, you know, we'll, we'll get your DNC done, but leave me for five days. But you need to, you know, why was no one telling me, kind of asking me, helping me? And I just don't know why that isn't, you know, we have a health visitor, don't we? Oh, you so, what, that's, so it oh, wasn't sorry. just a spontaneous thing. There was actually, you already knew you were, that was in the process. Is that right? Yeah, so... so with the, yeah, well, the second one, I'd been told, that obviously, that there was no heartbeat, to wait. And I wanted to do everything naturally. I thought, I'll wait, I'll take, you know, I'll do everything as it comes. And it just didn't come. So I carried on. But I shouldn't have. I kind of went to concerts. But no one didn't tell me. I thought if I take the kids to the park and walk up the hill, it will make it happen a bit more. But what they should have said is actually, for God's sake, don't go anywhere. Because, you know, that's twice that I put myself in danger by trying to do things. Because I just felt, and it's, I don't think it's, it's not normal. It's not normal to have a dead fetus inside you and get up and do the school run but we do and millions of women do and we and we go to my daughter's concert and try and go to my son try to do everything plan my kid's birthday party and uh, and it was all too much probably it was all too much doing that anyway maybe some people do stop but because no one told me that actually potentially this is you know also mentally this is not you shouldn't be doing this mentally yeah. so um oh god I'm so sorry. and I think you're right I think that is something that a lot of people just get on with, especially if you've got a young family. Yeah, um, yeah we push it's through So many things when, when there's yeah. family life around us, and um, I, I've been very lucky. I have had one miscarriage, but it was very early, and I remember going to work, and almost having this sort of, there's a sort of a, a horror to it, and also almost a fascination that this was all happening, and yeah. you know. <laughs> It was sort of simultaneously quite sort of loud and violent, but also so private. So I was be thinking, this mm. is so strange. My body's doing mm. one thing, and I'm having my picture taken. You know, it, yeah. it just was. I know. Bizarre. I think when you if you could look back on them, you know, and you just think that. Well, I kind of when I did the podcast um, before about it with um, with Zoe, I could, you kind of think it, it's almost. Well, it's not magical. That's not the right word. But I know the word. Like it's, it's so it's so powerful and it's so personal. And I said, I wouldn't change those things for the world. I don't think I'd go back and obviously I'd love to have 10 babies and have those five that I had, but I don't know. And it made Jamie and I much stronger. It, the bond was so much more, you know, it brought us so close together. I don't know, it's just an experience that, that the club you don't want to join, but you have, and actually it's kind of wonderful as well. But I don't know why it's wonderful. I can't really explain it. But. Yeah, well, I think for me, <clears throat> there was something about the unsentimentality of, of, of the process. I thought my body's just decided this doesn't work, so it's just gone, mm. and it kind of made me, I don't know, I slightly, 
I slightly respected that, I suppose. But maybe, maybe I'm being, I was being a bit more analytical because I was really early on and I hadn't really yeah. had much time to think about it. I'd only yeah. known I was pregnant for about two days. So maybe, maybe I was able to be a little bit detached in that way. Um, but that's how I felt. I was like, wow, my body's just... When it's right, it just yeah. goes for it, and you could probably be pregnant for ages and not really know, and the baby, you know. I just feel like the fight for survival when it's right is really strong, and yeah. when it's and when there's question marks, your body can be equally as yeah. uh, strong in saying that's not happening. Yeah, exactly. And yes. I felt kind of divorced from it in a way, because I re yeah. realised that, oh, I, people always encourage you to think you're in, in control about, oh, how many babies do you want, all this kind of thing, but that's just, it's just not, Completely. not the truth. No, you're not exactly. That's, that's <clears throat> so true. You think you're in control. You're not at all. It's all it's all in the hands of someone else. Nature, God, it's just it's just there, and it's just you know, and uh, there's nothing you can do. Kind of, I feel that's as I come to my journey of end. I think, well, that's probably you know a bit like it's all in the hands of. If it was meant to happen, it really would have happened. And I think you know, yeah, and the way it's so, better to have it be nature deciding for you rather than you yes. kind of umming and ahhing about whether to yeah. leave the door open for it or not. Yeah, no, completely true. Exactly. Yeah. And and now that you have got girls that are really, you know, in sort of adult territory, um, does it feel like you're still learning about how to mother that, that age group? Oh, God, yeah. I think I'm still learning how to mother... Well, each child, is, as we know, is different. So I, River's very different. He's the most different child I've ever had. So I'm learning. He's like having a newborn all over... Well, no, he's like having a, a number one all over again. And then mix that with the teenagers and kind of trying to be a mother, being able to talk about sex and boys and be able to be really good about that and be open and trying to work out what kind of mother am I going to be? Am I going to be a little bit like this? Or am I going to say no alcohol? Or Because ideally I want to say no alcohol, no sex, nothing. But I'm kind of learning that that doesn't, it's not the way it works. Make it more fun. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I just, oh, so I have to be all cool and it's hard and they the girls know that I'm, you know, it's, and then of course then go back to your five-year-old and trying to kind of parent this new little person is, uh, yeah, so different. Every one of them has been different and every one has been a lesson and, and continues to be a lesson to me, definitely. Yeah, I feel the same. And, and do you feel like for the, the youngest one, can you sort of see how much they gain from having all those siblings around them? Yeah, I don't know if it's about, I don't know how bad it is. It's like a sponge, because literally, I don't know if it's because they don't get hurt. So they're a, very loud, very noisy, and they're kind of, he absorbs all the girls, what they say, and obviously, you know, swearing and, and good food. When number one, nothing bad happens. It's just perfect. And as you go down the line, you find that the kids may have said something like a swear word, and you think, oh, they've heard it from the 19-year-old who's on the phone. Yeah. And you think, oh, my God, this is so bad. But I can't keep the house pure anymore. It's too late. Oh, God, so that's so traumatizing. I remember <laughs> screaming when my eldest swore. He's, he didn't even swear it in use. He just said, I know what the F word is. And he's yeah. only about five. <laughs> and I said, well, what is it? And he said it, and I went, and I screamed. Yeah, because it doesn't <laughs> like, sound right my from a baby. person. <laughs> yeah, those days are true. gone. <laughs> I know, it's true. Yeah, now it's just anywhere and every time. But yeah, those sorts of things. I, I think, yeah, number five, Paul, I don't know what, it, I don't know what a number five has to go through, but um, it's either extremely fun or shocking, or it's just like a big sponge he absorbs every day. Yeah. I think they become quite like, a little bit like royalty, actually, because they sort of... <sighs> Yeah. can rule the roost and they're always yeah. the little one everybody's pleased to see you yes um, so there's exactly. a lot of sass in my smallest I'd say a lot a lot <laughs> yes it's the same it's the same thing it's because they've got that <clears throat> confidence as well which the others don't seem to have but he seems to have gained all their confidence and sucked it out of them and then he's like woohoo when he walks in the room and everyone just goes oh which is uh it's kind of annoying <laughs> yeah and when you're saying about what next? I think, you know, you'll probably be like my mum and be angling for uh, grandbabies. That'll be the next on the horizon. I know. It is. It is. That is so true. But I kind of, not quite yet. It stresses me out. But obviously it will be, I'm told, it's just a wonderful thing. So well, I can see from my mum and you, you're sure from your mum, it is incredible for them. It's yeah. very exciting. And do you, you have, you're, are you close to your mum? I think you posted about her just the other day. Was it her birthday? Is that yeah, her? she just turned 80. Yeah, very, yeah, very close. I mean, you know, I probably phone her four times a day school run on the way home before I had my coffee school run on the way there and then the, the night time <laughs> so she's like hi it's standard I don't know I don't know why we're just very close well all three of us are uh, maybe growing up without our dad was made us much closer as a kind of you know as a force of women force of women but um yeah she's so amazing so this is you and your sister and your mum is it yes two sisters yeah and mum 
And so I didn't so. realise you'd lost your dad. When, when was that? I'm sorry. Well, it's actually, thank you, it was 1997, so it was a while back, and I was about 25. But he was ill for a long time, so my mum looked after him. He had a stroke, so he was ill for a long time. So the dad I had when I was up to the age of seven is a different dad to the dad I had from seven until 25. Uh, well, yeah, about eight years old. To this. So um, she kind of looked after him for a long time. So I've got so much respect and admiration. I just think she's incredible. So I hope that I've learned so much from her. So I was so, a bit confused. So you've got, they had a stepdad as no, well. No, sorry, sorry, that didn't explain it well. So yeah, when uh, he had his stroke when I was about seven or eight. Oh, I see, the dad you had. So he changed, different... yeah, from being this dynamic, amazing city stockbroker to complete disabled on one side, not being able to talk, no work, you know, the whole thing. He wasn't the dad that I left the school in the morning for. Wow. So kind of everything changed. But my mum adapted to that and she kind of was just his total carer. But he lived with us until he died in 1997. But... You know, she was amazing. So we have relied on her so much. Now I feel like it's her time, even though she's 80, to kind of, you know, well, she deserves a lot, really. Yeah, well, I don't I don't doubt it. I mean, if you're still looking out towards politics and midwifery, I'm sure your mum's, that must be quite a dynamic <laughs> woman too. To, Loads you know, of plans. There's still so yeah. much to be getting on with um, yeah. at 80, actually. Yeah, but definitely. But that's a big thing to grow up with, with your dad. I mean, how how does that, how does that shape you, that experience? Ooh. I don't know. I perhaps should have gone. I perhaps should have seeked some therapy over it. I don't know. It was. It was. It was brilliant. I mean, I. I. Look, I was. I was so proud of him. And I'd kind of. He'd. After school, he'd pick me up. Well, he'd kind of have to take his stick and hobble there. It'd take him an hour and a half, and I'd wait for him. He'd be late. It would be embarrassing because he'd be dribbling and he'd be kind of. He would be paralysed on one side, and I'd take him to a coffee shop. And I think I don't think my children would be able to do that now. What I did with my dad, and I was so proud of him. Yet, kind of, you know, he really was very disabled and we'd have our cup of tea together he couldn't really talk but we were very close and then as I kind of got to my teenage years obviously I became a selfish teen and that was that my mum had to you know my mum was at home with him but uh yeah we were just we were just a very very close family but it was yes it was so hard not having a dad really because we, we didn't after after he kind of had a stroke that was kind of it my mum lost her husband we lost our dad he was just kind of there very importantly but just there yeah so, and your um, mum I suppose had to keep him as present and as part yes. of things in yeah. sort of both ways, if you like, like how he, how he yes. was, but also yeah, yeah. his character. Yeah, yeah, which she desperately tried to do. And she kind of, she, the nurses said he'd never walk again. And she, of course, got him walking, although it was with a stick. But, and she wouldn't adapt the house because she said, no, 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 we're not adapting the house. We're just going to do as we were, which meant she then had to like, carry him up the stairs. But she just did and it worked. And, and it was, a, it was, we had a very happy, a very, very happy childhood. Apart from that, I've, you know, she managed to shield us from anything. And I'm sure there was lots of horrible things she had to go through. But we were just happy going to school and doing our thing. Wow. So, I, I imagine the older you get, the more significant that stuff is actually. That's actually yeah. amazing that she managed to keep that stability and yeah. keep you feeling like you're, you know, family. And that this yeah. is just where you were at and the new reality was happening and... I mean, getting him walking again, that's, that's incredible. But no wonder you phone your mum all the time. Well, I think she was about 40, she was much younger than my dad, but I think she was about 45, and I think, God, that would be touch wood. That's like Jamie and I, that, I can't think about it, with young children, and then making sure that we didn't turn to drugs and drink and all the other things kids do, which we didn't. And I just think, how does she do that? That's why I just can't, you know, my admiration for her is too much. I just think, how do you, you were just incredible. Because as a mum, I think, God, that would just that would that's your life gone. You know, that's your husband. That's it. So, uh, but she managed to do it, and she was incredible. So, yeah, she sounds amazing. So, when you call her these four times a day, are you just yeah. do you just sort of talk over everything? <laughs> like this is happening with that kid. I've got this project happening. Is it just exactly. sort of an overview? Yeah, sometimes we'll go for an hour about in depths of River and you know those character and what did this that and the other and you know and then we'll go into like Daisy and what she's doing and how amazing and and then, <laughs> then we'll just there or there'll be really quick conversations like dinner, food, dog walk, see you later, bye. So <laughs> this is very familiar. I'm, I'm like that with my mum actually. Oh, are you? She's the person. I don't think I do anything without asking my mum about it. Like I have to know that she's okay with stuff. Really, that's so funny. It's exactly the same. I really respect what she says. And if she didn't like anything, I just don't think I could probably do it. So what does she think about um, when you were, like, with your family life? Like, how does she... Because it's, it's funny, isn't it, when you, you take a lot from your childhood, but then you end up having a bigger family than, than you came from. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think she was like, oh, you boob, which is my nickname. You're not, you're not going to still keep going, are you? I said, well, yeah, <laughs> I might do, I might not. And then my sisters, have, one's got three children, one's got two. So uh, she, they were, you know, it's the on-standing joke, I suppose, you know, you know what it's like. Oh, God, you're not going to keep going on. Oh, wow, God, you've got a massive family. You've got five billion kids. But um, no, she's loved every minute. For her, it's brilliant because she just keeps getting these little babies. So for her, it's been amazing. Well, that's lovely. Um, and it means that if your family follows suit and mine, then we're going to end up with... Potentially, imagine of Christmas. Like 25 babies. <laughs> That's exactly why I moved house. I said to Jamie, we need, we've got boyfriends and we've got kids, and like we need to be somewhere quite big. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? I'll put a date in the diary now so I can talk to you for the podcast I do about grandparenting. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, God, Jay, get me in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, Jules, thanks so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure. Oh, thanks, I could have spoken to you for hours. I feel like, I mean, it's just so nice to talk to someone where there's so much overlap. You yeah, know, it's really lovely. Um, well, you know what? So, we should yeah. get our kids together. Five, <laughs> five kids to get ten kids in one room and a nice roast dinner. You can do some dancing. <laughs> that sounds like. I think we only get invited to people's houses if they've actually got sort of approximately yes. the same number of children. So yeah, I'm <laughs> so free. I'm free every weekend. <laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. I'll put it in the diary. <laughs> that was Jules Oliver who I really enjoyed chatting to you could probably tell I was thinking you know we could have kept talking for a lot longer and I felt like there was a lot more stuff we could continue chatting about and I especially loved hearing about her dad actually I thought that was really um, affectionate and affecting and you know I'm sure a very significant part of her childhood and doesn't her mum sound amazing anyway so that's that was a really lovely way to start off series seven and as ever, you know what I'm going to say probably, but I love hearing your suggestions. I have often interviewed people that I never would have thought of um, purely because someone's put a message in the comments and I've sort of done a little bit of looking up and thought, oh yes, good shout with that. Um, and I've already got some very interesting people. Uh, I've already recorded everyone from um, someone who spends their days doing post-mortems to someone who spends their days doing hula hooping on roller skates so you know you can't say it's not varied and what else is going on oh actually oh this weekend okay it's going to be really lovely but we've got two quite significant so april around here is silly season anyway because it's richard's birthday on the 6th it's my birthday on the 10th his dad's on the 5th his mum's on the 11th um our nanny is on the 21st our old nanny claire she's the 8th she's like families we always celebrate that too um my eldest is going to be 18 tomorrow so that's the 23rd and on monday the 25th there's going to be another birthday which is ray he's going to be 10 so richard is also away all weekend except sunday so i am organizing bits and bobs for birthdays and it'll be really lovely when it's happening but right now i'm in that slightly like tizzy bit where i realize there's lots of things i've kind of left quite last minute I don't know if you're the same as me, but I always feel like I've got this really long run-up and I think it'll be fine, it'll be fine, I'll organise it. And then before I know it, it's kind of day before. Maybe I'm just one of those people who's a bit last minute. I mean, it does all kind of seem to just about hang together, but there's definitely a just about element in there. And um, don't tell him, but I'm getting Ray a hamster. Any thoughts? Is that a good idea? And don't worry, I do know really that the only way you could tell him and ruin it is if you went back in time, because by the time you... Hear this, he's already got a hamster, but still, right now it's a secret. And it looks like a very nice little hamster. I've reserved him. Um, I actually got him a reduced rate because he was from a litter and no one bought him. So he's kind of like the most senior hamster in the shop. But he's very cute. We've been to visit him already. And uh, I haven't told Ray directly he's getting him, but I think he's got a good idea. Anyway, it should be fun. New member of the family. Incoming. Small Syrian hamster. I will let you know how that all goes when I speak to you next week. But in the meantime, um, really good to be with you again. Thank you so much. You know I love doing this. And I will see you in a week. All right, lots of love. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.